Come and dream with me. Hello and welcome to What Do You Want to Watch, the Explosion Network's premier media podcast. Every week we get together to talk about movies, TV and online content and help you answer the question, how do Warner Brothers Discovery keep finding new ways to anger people? It's it's a mystery. I'm your host, Asher Hubley. Joining me today, Dylan Blight. I don't think it is a mystery. I think this, it, you know, it's pretty easy. Just stop. How do they keep <laughs> when there is so much news and stories going on? How do they find a way to overshadow all of it with the stupidity of decision making? It's not stupidity. They're just it's about money making. Yeah, we'll get into it later. But yeah, this is a new low. Um, on today's episode, we'll be discussing what's in what's history, going over some film news giving some thumbs to trailers and giving you this week's top three. Uh, we'll kick things off uh, in the world of Marvel over on all new Marvel casts. We've got a spoiler cast up for uh, Captain, no, not Captain Marvel, the Marvels, <laughs> the latest entry in the MCU for starring uh, Brie Larson, Tiana Paris and Aman Villani. I've also got a review up at explosion.com. Uh, he gave it a 6.5 out of 10 and said, The Marvels is proof that charm and charisma will take you far with this team of three women proving a joy to tag along with through a middling, disjointed adventure. While this is unlikely to be anyone's favorite Marvel film, every character comes out looking better and with more potential stories going forward, which should help instill some faith in the future of the MCU, which it desperately needs. Uh, Dylan, do you want to share your non-spoilerly thoughts on The Marvels? Yeah, I, re- I enjoyed it quite a bit. I think it sort of dives off the edge uh, towards the end, and I think that's a lot to do with the overarching MCU interjecting and interfering with what could have been a much better film, uh, heavily reducing its villain and like sort of pushing them to the side to, to get to a different moment. Um, but otherwise, I felt like every, every scene um, with the three of them interacting was fantastic. Um, all three women are great. I, I, I sound like sort of what I said in the spoiler cards. I definitely feel like, the more I thought about it after recording, I do definitely feel like this is actually some of the strongest fight choreography that I think I've seen in a Marvel movie in quite some time. Um, I feel like, like I was singing back on it like after I said it. Uh, I'm going to stand by that. I, I definitely feel like a lot of effort went to, to pulling off those scenes and, and no problems with them. Uh, yeah, in general, r- really good, just held back by yeah, scri- scripting issues, villain not being super engaging. Uh, and in general, with a lot of my current MCU things, which is just the overarching beast of Kevin uh, ruining movies that could stand on their own. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, I gave it a lower score, but it definitely is super fun to see Aman Vel- the the three women together, especially Aman Vellani, who we loved in Ms. Marvel, like making the step over to big screen and being a super positive um, entity. Um, yeah, the villain is, you know, on the scale of, you know, the villain from Thor the Dark World, probably. I, I can't think of many worse villains. Like, or well, most boring. Uninteresting. Which is disappointing, because there, there are a lot of cool ideas in this, and none of them are really fully explored or uh, delved into. Um, but yeah, it, it's, it's, it's fun. 
and it, it looks like it's definitely got an audience. You know, there's, I've seen a lot of positive reaction to the film. A lot of people like it, enjoying having a lot of fun with it. Um, obviously, you know, it, it's. I think it's going to be a hit with a lot of young girls. Uh, it did only make $114 million worldwide over the weekend, which, of course, led to a bunch of articles like, this is the end of the MCU. It's the lowest grossing Marvel movie of all time. Um, what, what's your take on the reaction to the Marvels? Racism and sexism. Hmm. Interesting. Because, <laughs> I, again, I just don't feel like anyone talks about any of these things as much, except for suddenly when it's this movie. No, well, I think that's an element of it. I think it underperforming due to a lot of things out of its control, whether it's Marvel fatigue due to the... Yeah. This movie underperforms because of the sh- shittier movies that had come before it. it. Yeah, it's all the, you know, the lower standard of Marvel movies over the last couple of years. It's getting oversaturated with Marvel content. Um, the The belief by a lot of people that you need to have watched a bunch of stuff and just the general belief that you need to be caught up on the Marvel films to go see a, a Marvel movie. Um, being something that keeps people from going to the cinema. Um, then there's, you know, obviously the the SAG strike was still going on at the, before the movie came out. Um, so, you know, no promotion for the movie. The only Marvel movie that got released during the strike. Um, and then, you know, uh, yeah, just a general downturn in general. Um, but, you know, I think some of the, like, and that's kind of led to a lot of, like, all the news stories coming out in the the days since like piling on the 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 film and kind of yeah i think it was stephen king who's like it's kind of unpleasant to see people like get so giddy about the movie failing hmm. it's not failing though is the thing is the what is the thing like it's, in the terms it, of like mcu what's considered an mcu blockbuster it's not making I mean, that money but it cost two hundred million dollars. It only made one hundred fourteen. So I mean, that is currently in opening week. Normally, you at least get your opening week, your opening gross in the opening weekend. Um, but to be fair, this year has been different. You know, Elementals came in, didn't earn very much, and then went on to become one of the top grossing movies of the year. So, do I think the Marvels can have legs like Elemental? I don't know. I feel like there's a potential there. I feel like Ant Man and the Wasp: Quantumania did one hundred four million opening. In, I think that was domestic though. 121 international. Okay. And that is one of the higher grossing movies of the year. So, I mean, there's a potential there for it <laughs> still, to, still to turn things around. Uh, you know, I want to say you're complicit, you know? I wrote that really nice closing paragraph. And then for the TikTok uh, ad for the review, you just put the really uh, negative part of that, you know? Uh, can I fit so much in a box? Could put some of the nice stuff in there. Is all I'm saying. You know why? Why are you being racist and sexist against this movie? <laughs> hey, I'm one of the biggest supporters of this movie. I feel, and I hate them to you. <laughs> I don't. I don't know if you are one of the biggest. You know, I think you're pretty. You're just an average supporter of the movie. 
I think this movie's worth watching in the cinema. <laughs> that makes me a supporter, right? <laughs> yeah. I'm not saying you're not a supporter. It's not a big one. Um, But yeah, a lot of the vitriol against this movie and like the, the you know, the hate towards it is like kind of unjustified in general. People, it was always going to happen. I'm, none of this surprises me. Like, think about the Captain Marvel. Everyone hates Brie. Well, not everyone, but, you know, just the, the general vitriol that's thrown towards Brie Larson. So. Yeah. That's why the Fast and Furious movie was underperformed as well. Possibly. <laughs> Possibly, you know. It's a vendetta. Um, I mean, the, the, the inability to promote these movies doesn't help either, you know. Like, no. Because of the strike, so. So it'll be interesting to see this next weekend because obviously the strike's over. Uh, Brie Larson was on the the Tonight Show. Uh, All the actors were going out to screenings with fan fans and that kind of stuff. We've been inundated with videos on on social media from the actors. So um, yeah, if they can minimize their drop off in the next week, you know, there's potential for them to for it to be a win. But uh, yeah, I mean, it's it. It's a movie that doesn't deserve the negative attention that it's getting, I think. You know, even though I think, you know, it's held back by a story that is not good or villain that isn't good and a conclusion that kind of blah. I think yeah. I think the major problem with the current run of MCU movies is very few of them are standalone movies that can be watched without other outside or without the feeling that you need to watch outside content. Yes. Uh, so yeah I mean there's nothing we can do about that <laughs> in the near future but obviously you know, it is what it is speaking of Marvel over, over on all new Marvel cast as well we talked about the finale of Loki season 2 which you know everybody is flooring over online Dylan what do you think of Loki season 2 Loki season 2 was bad but the season finale of that episode was fantastic but you know you had to watch five episodes of Mert to get there <laughs> i'm gonna stand by it. i don't care what the fucking internet says <laughs> oh loki's such i saw an article today we need more of the loki and mcu and i was like no we don't <laughs> we do really do not need more of that thank you very much yeah i tend to agree i think you know while i didn't hate the first five episodes as much as you do <laughs> um the fu- episode, the finale was like the payoff for, or the justification for us, you know, during the previous five hours of Enduring content. Is about right. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, it was a beautiful payoff, really be- incredible, uh, ep- fantastically constructed episode. Uh, great time travel elements and tropes, and uh, leaves Loki in a really interesting spot. That you know, will they ever explore that character ever again? I don't know. Is this the swan song for? Tom Hiddleston in the MCU, I don't know. You know, because there could be more variants. We don't know. It's a multiverse, anything could happen. But uh Yeah, just a you know, a very it it's a very much of a case of, you know, it definitely felt like a case of they had this really cool final episode they wanted to make, uh, and they had to do five episodes to set up. So setting up all the, the ideas and callbacks and everything. And yet um, they didn't. Well, they did set it up. It's just, you know, they didn't make it good (laughs) or interesting. 
or you know super engaging for the yeah it it felt like there wasn't enough content in the first five episodes to to fill them out um but you know we're we're definitely in the slight minority i think you know there's definitely more people who are very enjoyed the entire season and that kind of stuff so yeah there's that uh so that's everything in the mcu over on our returning podcast a fair explosion network christmas we talked about the first episodes first two episodes of season two of the santa clauses this season uh scott cat old santa played by tim allen uh is trying to bring his family into the santa clausing business his wife is in charge of the elf uh squad the police unit that's trying to solve uh mystery around a missing uh nutcracker uh scott's trying to get his son calvin to become the next santa train him up but he's too interested in his new girlfriend uh and then his daughter is uh developing witch powers you know lots of fun there and then a mad the the mad santa played by eric stone street has been released from his imprisonment is about to cause havoc across the world oh Ho, 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 uh, is uh, Dylan's favorite thing. <laughs> Might be his favorite catchphrase from the year. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what is the best piece of writing in 2023? <laughs> it is ho, ho, ho. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, it, it's a really enjoyable start to the season. Um, we really enjoyed the first season, so you know it struck more of that tone. Um, but yeah, Eric Strong Street, a great addition to the cast. Uh, just yeah, more Christmas silliness, getting you the Christmas spirits. Um, yeah, tell them what are your thoughts on the Santa Claus season two? Yeah, uh, really enjoying the first two episodes, much better than the first two episodes of Loki, that's for sure. Um, and then it's <laughs> just <laughs> kicking it, just kicking it with Santa. <laughs> Um, yeah, it's a lot of fun. I'm, I actually think I'm like I feel like two episodes in, I'm feeling a lot more confident about this season than the first one. I feel like they've mm. like just a lot as we talk about a groove. Like, they've hit a groove. I feel um, I, every character's doing something. Everyone's like got something going on. Um, yeah, it's just a lot of fun. And obviously, I, I I'm I'm a little bit uh, attached to this because I always talk about like how much I would love the original Santa Claus movie and like watching that growing up and whatever else. So, you know, I'm, I'm a little bit biased towards this franchise. I just love this, this world, I think, but, um, yeah, really enjoyed it. Came for, came to watch the rest of the episodes. Yeah. Really interesting. Obviously really fast turnaround, which is surprising. Like obviously, you know, not many shows like this get released every year. So, I mean, you know, to get a second season pretty quick. Uh, and of course they expanded the role of one of our favorite characters, Gary. Mm. So, what more can we want from Santa Claus? So yeah, go over to A Very Explosion Network Christmas to check out our weekly recaps of each episode. The more I think about it, more Gary's just like donkey from Winnie the Pooh, but as an elf. Not quite as depressed. But he's, he's nearly there. <laughs> he isn't He isn't uh, as self... He isn't uh, willing to declare his press, depressedness. Mm. Yet. He doesn't let people know he's depressed. Mm. He just is. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, Dylan, you watched the new Prime Video reality TV series, 007, Road to a Million. The show that if you've been following the news, um, uh, what's his name? Who's the host? Uh, fuck. Brian Cox. 
Brian Cox believed he was actually signing on to be the villain of the next James Bond movie. Nope. Tell him what are your thoughts on 007? <laughs> right to a million. Uh, yeah, so I want to get a review up um, today or tomorrow. Uh, the I I actually quite enjoyed it, and I don't reality TV shows and like these sorts of shows aren't usually my thing. I like what they've done here though, which is they they haven't gone for that. They're like, you know, we're, we're, this is on Prime Video. This is on a streaming service. Like, you know, we can, we don't have to have that general structure and feel that your your normal reality TV shows have. So basically the way You don't need works, to put five cliffhangers in your episodes. So yeah, you don't need to put outbreak. five. Like that said, every episode ends with a cliffhanger, I mean, which is yeah. fine. But it's still like kind of funny because it would end and I got access to all uh, I've watched the entire season, obviously. Um, it's just, and I went straight to the next one, and every single time, like, I don't think it's a spoiler to say, how do you think that cliffhanger is going to end with them getting it right or wrong or what's going to happen? It's just, I don't feel like there's any, uh, <laughs> you know, it was just like the most obvious cliffhangers end every time. But anyway, um, the setup for the show is, I can't remember how many groups of people it is, um, but like it's a, you know, it's a typical thing. It's like two people, it's like, we're brother and sister, we're a couple, we're um, work friends, we're, you know, whatever. Um, and obviously they all uh, applied and they show some of the videos throughout the show. But the idea is that Brian Cox is sort of sitting at a computer and he's like sending these people off to random locations. Um, and everyone sort of has starts in a similar location. Um, and they have to like trek through areas. It's not like, um, not like the amazing race but like i guess it has like a similar-ish feel to it like so for the first episode it starts with these two characters which sort of become the main characters to be honest um and the ones i enjoyed the most they uh you know they they're brothers yeah they're brothers and they they like go along this the they track up on this hill and mountain or whatever and the clues like oh find this lake and then when they get to this lake on the other side um there's like something chained into it and they pull that out and inside it there's a um like a computer or whatever and it plays a question and it's like and it's all like trivia related questions it's all you know the ancient gods uh traveled through here during what what group of people like traveled across here during a war or something like that and you have to press the right button um no so you don't uh, most of the time they have to like you pick up a canister for a b or c and then you release it and if the smoke goes up green you're good if you're red um you're out um and the thing for this show is so for the first episode it, this show doesn't do the thing that most reality shows do where it, like introduces every single competitor at the same time it's not cutting backwards and forwards consistently to show them off so for the first episode i think they only introduced two competitors um and most for the majority of the episode it just sticks with the the two brothers from the start and it like sort of follows them up to like the third question um and as they grow it's like this question's worth you know ten thousand dollars and then the next one's worth like twenty five thousand dollars or whatever and obviously the, the the money goes um and but because they do it this way and then suddenly by the time even you get to like the sixth episode they go all the way back to that first location in the middle of the alps where the fuck it is and you they're still introducing some some people then but some of them like they just get the first question wrong they're out that's it you get the first question wrong you're out there's no like second chances there's no like um baiting it into like who, who like who goes it's like you're just out um so the pacing definitely is different to your typical sort of reality show um yeah and i i definitely feel like it's shot well it's got like more of a cinematic flair to it it's got a bit more money like it looks really nice everything like that um and i and i don't feel like it overplayed the 
Um, it didn't have any unnecessarily dramatic reality show elements, you know, tied in or anything like that. It's literally just people doing a game show. They're going to get these questions right, you know. You watch it, and it has some swearing in it, which is nice because it's actually on a thing. Like, but these two brothers are like, "Fucking hell, where's the?" You know, like, and it, like it just feels more a bit more real. Like they're just shit talking as they're trying to run around these streets and like find out where to go. I think in the second or third episode, they're like, I can't remember what they're in some European city where they no one fucking speaks English, and the clue is to find this certain house on a street, and they manage to find their 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 way there, and then they get um on the the, the inside, and it's like this, you know, some of the challenges are a bit more um, like you're like, oh my god, fuck that a little bit because like one of them is literally, what is the length of the snake? You know, and there's a snake in a box and it's like three very like similar lengths. And of course there's a tape measure there. So it's implied, Hey, if you want to try and get this question, right, you got to pick up that fucking snake and measure that bad boy, you know, like, (laughs) (laughs) um, so yeah, is it James Bond related? No, not at all. Like it's literally just, they've got the name other than like a globe trotting adventure, like across multiple locations. Um, the only other thing I could say that's James Bond-ish is that the show is heavily reliant on these people being able to get questions right, like actual like trivia worldwide. And not it's not trivia about James Bond at all. It is general knowledge. Like every question is just some world event or world history or something that I guess you maybe like James Bond would probably know that or I don't know, you know, like smart people would know that sort of thing. So there's no um, references to MI6 or like uh, no. Nah. I will say in, in one location in the last episode they have a few bits float for like sh- in a room like the uh, different references to James Bond stuff. But otherwise, until that moment, it's just a uh, um, it's just in the name and the Do thing. They all on. drink martinis <laughs> at a shaker, not stirred. Uh no, they go to a casino in one episode. Oh, so Do they end up in the shower crying. No, they don't. No, so. <laughs> Um, yeah, but with that said, if I feel like if you like any of those, like, you know, amazing race shows or that sort of stuff, as someone who doesn't like those shows much, um, like I watched them when I was a bit younger, the first couple of seasons and whatever, but I've, I've very much like, I, I would say in general, I, I'm the sort of person that makes fun of reality TV most of the time. Cause I just think majority of them are terrible, um, shit shows these days. Um, this is back to what I could enjoy. This is just, Hey, it's not. It's not going for overdone drama. It's just like we've got a game show. These are real people. Let's just not fuck around. You know, it's film world. It's fun. Yeah, I, I enjoyed it. All right. Uh, so I've watched Stolen Youth Inside the Cult at Sarah Lawrence, which is a documentary that came out earlier this year on Disney Plus. Uh, it follows uh, the story of Larry Ray, um, who was a you know, a criminal. I think he went to jail for tax evasion or some some white collar crime, um, and came out in two thousand eight and lived with his daughter at her dorm room at Sarah Lawrence College. Um, so no, like dorm house. It was like eight to ten students kind of living in this one building um, together. And he started he started living there because he didn't have anywhere else to go. Um, and he sort of became like a dorm father figure to a lot of these people. Like would cook for them and clean and help like keep try and keep on track. Um, he would over the course of like the semester or whatever, he would start to like indoctrinate himself up onto several of the dorm room uh, dorm mates, 
um, uh, till the point where he got like six of them to move into a New York City apartment with him, like a one-bedroom New York City apartment uh, to live there with him. Um, it's very weird what his it it's it's kind of bizarre what he wanted to do. Like, um, easiest way to explain it is he believed that this guy called Bernard Carrick, who was a former uh, former police uh, commissioner, wronged him, and he'd come to the belief that he was trying that guy was trying to sabotage him and uh, you know try to kill him and that kind of stuff. So, over the process of several months, he brainwashed these kids into believing, one, they had been hired by Bernard Carrick to try and harm him, to harm Ray, uh, and that he owed, they thus now owed Ray compensation, or in the form of money, or other things to rectify the situation. Um, and yeah, it's just a fucked up situation where he's like brainwashing these kids, oh, these uh, teenagers, college students, into his line of thinking and it's like kind of forcing new memories into them. It's kind of a study into like, uh, like brainwashing and like, uh, indoctrination and like he's created this like tiny cult of, uh, people who believe he pretty much got to the point where anything he said was the truth to these people. Cause he'd been like training them into believing that, you know, like one kid was like, he was telling this kid that he was destroying everything in his in his in his apartment. He was doing all this damage to all his property, and this kid has no recollection of doing anything any of it. But he believed that he had damaged like every single possible thing that he could have touched in his apartment, and now he had to pay for it all to be replaced. Um, but yeah, it's really interesting documentary. It gets even crazier when uh, so the first episode like kind of covers. You know, basic setup in that second one kind of covers the time being indoctrinated and that kind of stuff. The third comes after his arrest, and they get were able to interview two of the final uh, victims. You know, who were at the start of the doc, start of the interviewing process, still believed Larry's completely. You know, didn't do anything wrong. Completely believed he was a completely nice guy and that kind of stuff. And then over the course of their filming over a, like a couple of months period, at least one of them starts to like figure out that she's been brainwashed and all these problems have been, all these issues uh, have been put into her brain and that kind of stuff. Like he convinced her that her parents were trying to kill her and that kind of stuff. And like, that's how she got cut off from her, her family and that kind of stuff. It's like really interesting. And then like the other one is like completely still, brainwashed and believe that she didn't, they didn't do anything wrong even though they're like extorting like one of these pe people for like money through uh prostitution and that kind of stuff so uh yeah fascinating documentary very fucked up story uh but yeah check that out stolen janet stolen youth <laughs> if if that's what you want to <laughs> watch uh, don't laugh we'll get into <laughs> what you've been watching uh, yeah, over on Disney Plus. Let's move into the mandatory Netflix segment of the show. Dylan, you watched the first episode of Escaping Twin Flames. Yeah, I got halfway through the second episode last night, but then I was getting too tired, so I went to bed. Yep. Um, I, um, 
I know I never heard of this, but or like apparently there's two documentaries about this uh, cult. So there you go. Uh, but it's basically from what I can gather from an episode and a half. It's these two people, um, and the guy that they cover in the first episode, whatever his name is, doesn't really matter. Seems like they both seem like losers. Um, they, uh, he, he basically, you know, he went to business school out of class, uh, out, of, out of whatever normal school is in America. Went to business, got some kind of degree, but very much like straight away, like starts like putting together grifts, you know, like trying to make this like content create a lifestyle, like doing videos, like you know, like trying to do those like thing where you know you put out a certain lifestyle and that's how you make money. But like, he wasn't living that lifestyle and whatever you want to call it, like lifestyle sort of stuff. Anyway, eventually he meets this girl, they get married or whatever. Um, they start putting out videos about twin flames, which is apparently, um, if you Google like twin flame, it's like a, a saying or whatever for like, but it basically is like true love, but another version, at least that's how I took it. But they like take it to the extreme where it's like, your twin flame is your one, you know, it's like your one true love. This is the person you're meant to be with, um, no matter what. And it's like, you just got to sh- find that person. So when they get into the, in the first episode, they cover, like they start putting out these um, YouTube videos or whatever, and then they put together a class and the class costs, I think it was like $2,200 American for the full 12 months or something. So no chump change. Um, it's just like a get, like a group, they have videos of it. It's like a group thing where they're sitting down and they're, they're talking to you. But the problems automatically start arising very, very quickly, um, even from the, the early days of this, when it's like, hey, um, you know, oh, you, t- you told us about that guy you broke up with. Oh, that sounds like it was your twin flame. You should get back with him. So then they're like, start like this, this one girl, like she's like, starts messaging this guy that she broke up with because she got told that was her twin flame. They had to be together. And then they're together. And like some of these people they're interviewing now in the future, obviously when they've got out of this whole thing, um, I still haven't found out when they left. I should not be covered in the, before the yep. series ends, but um, they, they like lit, uh, you know, like you got to be with them, even though they're completely unhappy. One of the older girls, the sort of the worst one so far is I think she's like 19. She's like the youngest person. Um, and the, I don't know what I'm keen to find out how the fuck more of this happened or whatever, some weird shit, but like they have like at their first, like get together, like public, like a bunch of like 20 odd or what, 20, 30 of them gather together in like one location. They said just as a group. And during this time, they're like the, the dude's like, Hey, you know, we, we, he says one day, like the next man that talks to you, I can feel it. Cause they, they say that they have the power to feel these things. Right. You know, like, figure out who your twin flame is they're like the next man that talks to you that's your twin flame so like the next day at this um group meeting or whatever like singles who are out in front of other people I'm like hey have you talked to any men uh has any random like men talked to you recently and she's like no no one's talked to me like i was just in the hotel with him and then he's like has someone messaged you and then she's like well i had this random guy message me and he's like oh so now I'm like, I don't know if this is a setup. I don't know what the fuck story is. But anyway, this dude who in all footage has his face blurred out. So he doesn't want to be involved at all. <laughs> and she's talking to the camera. So she's out like in the future. That's the only like silver lining I've got for this, knowing that at least she's out of this in the future. This dude's 11 years older than her. So she, yeah, and she's 19. Um, and straight away, I don't know what if, I don't know if or what any worse things happen, but the way she's talking about it very much sounds like a manipulative, manipulative abusive maybe relationship and she can't get out of it and she doesn't even want to be in it 
she says like it's this like thing like she didn't want to talk to this guy she thought he was a creep like messaging her in the middle of the night like random shit and then but because the because the two leaders of the thing were like well that's your twin flame we know we feel it you know mm. you got to be with that guy so she did because and again you can't really blame her because she's you know she's very young she's manipulated by these people she's you know she doesn't know she's in a cult but she's getting to a cult so yeah i mean i'm, I'm very keen to, to watch more on it and maybe look up that other documentary because i at least from what i read on i saw some people on twitter this morning say both are well worth watching well i can't i didn't actually look where the other one was but um it's done that thing again where they like it's two out at the same time different places i don't know what the fuck mm. how these things keep happening but um yeah it's very weird so far but interesting at the same time all right, and then you also watch Till Murder Do Us Part, Soaring versus Hasem. Yeah, um, this was good. This was three episodes, I think it was. Um, it's this. So it's in America. You got this, uh, like in the 1980s. Uh, you've got these two, um, it's, it's almost like cruel intention shit, like rich people who think they're too smart um, sort of vibe. You got this very like posh British girl who's like going to this American school. Then you got this German kid um, going to this American school. They both like think they're the smartest people in the world. Anyway, they fall for each other. She's like, like the, she's actually like the, the very beautiful, like general, generally consensus, very beautiful, like British girl. He's like very squared eighties glasses, like nerdy looking dude. But anyway, they get together. Um, and then one night her parents are brutally murdered. Um, and the, two of them are questioned stuff and whatever and then randomly they just fuck off to europe for like months on the the run basically even though they weren't actually officially accused of anything yet um but that doesn't make the case any better <laughs> and then um they eventually caught for like doing fraud over there and like brought back and put on trial and stuff like that but yeah it's very interesting because she after they caught starts like admitting that like she says they planned it together that he did it. And he at first says that when he's caught that he did it. But then when they go to trial, he says he was just covering up for her. And then that it's not it's not like skipping ahead because from the outset, the older searing guy, whatever his first name was, he's out. He's like being interviewed for the show from the get-go, from the first episode. So you know he gets out of jail at some point amongst this. Um and in fact they show a montage of like um, at the start, like the events, like, oh, they, you know, he's out finally sort of thing. Um, he goes back to Germany or whatever. Um, never allowed back in the US is like part of the condition. Uh, but yeah, until up until this day, it's like, he's saying I had, I did nothing. It was all, um, I did absolutely nothing. I was just trying to, to help her, um, cover the story up for her and like protect her. Cause he thought he would do less years, but he, up until the, the current day, she still says that it was them. So is this, this two people say, like saying they're their own sides of the story. And really you don't know who the fucking, you, you don't know. It's one of these weird ones that you would think wouldn't be a good documentary to watch because you actually don't get a definitive answer. Cause you don't like, neither of them are trust trustworthy, but sort of leaves it up to you. But um, it was interesting nonetheless. All right. And then you got to watch David Finch's new film, The Killer. Yeah, I finally watched The Killer. I really enjoyed it. I feel like it's a very straightforward, but just like such a well-made um, yep. film. Um, it's. I also think it's... A, I don't know if I'm like overshooting here and maybe like 
this is just my sense of humor, but I actually found the movie quite funny. <laughs> like, I think it is actually quite funny. Yeah. Yeah. At times. I know. I don't know if you're like people aren't like, I didn't see anyone like saying it was funny, but I'm watching it and my motherfucker, I mean, the it's, dude, it's a very first, dark. Yeah. It's like a dark it's humor, obviously, but I was like, I'm 10 minutes into this movie. And like, obviously the first 20 minutes is just him like monologuing like watching this house or what the hotel or whatever across the road, like such a great sequence. And like 20 minutes started mm. the movie up to the, the moment that changes and sets the course, the rest of the movie in, in effect, but like 10 minutes into this movie and my motherfucker's like, as Popeye once said, I'm like, what? <laughs> <laughs> I was like, what are you talking about? And then not to mention like the reaction of him when he fires the gun eventually and just the, <laughs> like whatever like i was like i don't know i think this is a pretty funny movie like it's it's obviously not a comedy comedy but it's like darkly funny i thought um he also like the the commitment to just playing apparently all of the smith songs throughout the entire movie so <laughs> i was like that's something um yeah really really good um I mean, even just when, like, I don't say who, but there's a, there's a scene where someone, like, trips over some stairs and, like, falls onto the ground. And then, how can we help a lady up? And then, bam! I was like, that's pretty funny to me. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, um, yeah, I, it's a fairly straightforward movie, just basically made up of four acts. Um, but they're all just so well put together and acted and shot. And, you know, David Finch is, like, oh, yeah. sort of a master of his craft. So you don't need, like, any crazy story or any any anything anything like that for his films i don't feel like he's just so well at like telling stories he doesn't need the most over the top one so um really really enjoyed it yeah i, I loved it uh back on story in the cinema but yeah it's a very simplistic story which i think uh could turn some people off they're like oh we've seen this all before but it's the craftsmanship in the actual telling of that story that is so key there i was um, reading today the the hotel like across the road in that first 20 minutes that's entirely cgi so all, he shot all of those rooms, like it's like six rooms or whatever, like or eight rooms, like okay. four by four or whatever. So each of those is a shot he's got, like the like however long he shot it, so there's something happening or a plate or something, a f- photograph, whatever. Then the whole thing is like CGI. So it's not so CGI, it. it's like composite. No, but like it's composite, but it's this thing where like people always go, well, he does. How does Mindhunter cost so much? Because it like it's just all shot like david fincher is like a man who you always go back to panic room panic room has like one of the craziest like cgi shots especially for early 2000s when you're like how did this movie like cost so much it's just because he does like a um a cgi shot where it like goes through a bunch of objects and and stuff like that with a a virtual camera like Mm. he's like one of the only people i feel like as far as directors go who he actually really embraces new technology but he just uses it so um perfectly like and only when like and it always makes sense you know like it's always like a reason so it's like yeah absolutely i might get around to rewatching this again or at least, at least watching certain elements like um yeah i just love love like how much it's like it goes into how an actual killer would function i guess in the in the modern day like getting packages through amazon and like like searching things up on google and that kind of stuff um yeah just super fascinating like getting like hiring trucks and like having storage facilities and that kind of stuff really yeah, I, just of another, I also just thought of another line like again not to spoil the movie but just the fact that it has this massive build up to a confrontation with the the final person in the movie and literally the first words out of your mouth is do we have a problem <laughs> <laughs> it's like it's, it's high school fucking uh... i mean yeah <laughs> it's so good because yeah 
Michael Fassbender is a really interesting performance because in the actual real world, like he barely talks, mm. but obviously he's monologuing the entire time. So you kind of get his, yeah. his idea, but then also his monologue doesn't match up with the actions that he's doing in the movie. Like he's constantly talking about being, have no emotion and be like calm and that kind of stuff. But everything he's kind of doing in the movie yeah. is kind he's of like, emotional. He's like kind of perfectly emotional. It's the perfect killer. He never misses. He doesn't get emotionally involved in anything. He would never let emotion drive him to doing the entire fence of this movie. <laughs> also, Tilda Swinton tells a fantastic bear joke. Yes, true. But, you know. You don't also, when that. old mate... Okay, I can't this. So, when old mate, like, fucking is, like, bleeding out, and he's like, now I've done the math. Like, his monologue, he's like, it's again, it's in his head. He's like, the monologue part is in his head. He's like, 158-pound man, blah, 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 should last several hours. Dies. Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, why is it so funny? <laughs> All right. Check out The Killer on Netflix. Don't let it pass you by. What do you think of the opening credits? I get what you mean, but I, yeah. I, um, I didn't mind it. Like, I, but I, I yeah, having heard what you yeah. said, like, it, it wouldn't have bothered me, but like, yeah, because you'd said what you said, I was like, oh, I get what he meant. I get what you mean. It's just yeah. abrupt, okay, cool. sort of thing. just very weird. Yeah, abrupt. All right, that's everything I watched this trailer. Let's move into a little film news, and thank God, the SAG after strike appears to be over. Uh, so. Uh, Tag after says its tentative agreement with the studios is worth more than $1 billion over three years and added to an has extraordinary scope and unprecedented provisions. Uh, so the agreement includes an unprecedented wage pattern with two wage increases in the first year of the contract, 7% upon ratification, another 4% increase effective July 2024, making a compounded first year interest. First year increase of 11.28, there will be another 3.5 increase in July 2025. This package breaks the so-called industry pattern. Wages for background actors will increase by 11%, effective November 12th, and then by an additional 4%, effective July 2024, and by another 3.5%, effective July 2025. And in a monumental breakthrough for the first time, the number of covered positions in the West Coast zones will equal those of the East Coast zones. This is a projected to add another 11,000 new covered background work days annually. A nearly 43% increase to the contribution cap for one-hour productions and a nearly 67% increase to the cap for half-hour productions will increase uh, result in increased contributions to the health and pension retirement funds, as well as help performers working on those shows to continue qualifying for benefit coverage. Uh, the union achieved the creation of a new compensation stream for performers working in streaming. This, it provides a substantial boost on top of existing residual structures, making work in streaming more sustainable for middle-class actors. The majority of that compensation will be paid to actors on programs meeting certain viewership requirements. Uh, the remaining money will be distributed to, over, to other actors working on those streaming platforms through a newly jointly trusted distribution fund. Uh, this ensures... Improved compensation and sustainability for a wider range of actors contributing to the success of these platforms. The agreement will also also adds fixed residuals for stunt coordinators working on television and new media productions. Uh, the contract achieved important gains for hair and makeup equity, the sharing of aggregate diversity statistics, eliminating inappropriate wigging and paint downs, gender neutral language access to gender-affirming care and translation services. It also provides more sexual harassment prevention protections for performers, including the use of 
intimacy, culminates in scenes involving nudity and simulated sex or upon request and additional safeguards of background. Additional gains include establishing minimums for applying television terms to high budget made for AOVOD programming. Uh, meaningful protections for the casting process have also been established, including provisions specifying the breakdown sides and all scripts shall be provided no less than 48 hours prior to the submission deadline. Uh, this is increased to 72 hours for minors. Talent may not be asked to perform more than eight industry standard pages for a first self-tape or 12 industry standard pages for a second or subsequent callback. Additionally, if memorization is required, performers will be entitled to compensation and performers may not be requested to appear nude or while wearing attire more revealing than a bathing suit that could be worn at a public pool. Producers must also provide opportunities to interview virtually or in person on a first-come, first-served basis with accommodations for performers with disability, senior performers, and minors. Substantial improvements in relocation allowances for serious performers were also made, covering $5,000 per month for up to six months with no cap or the number of seasons based on employment patterns. This amounts to a 153% effective increase in relocation payments. So, reading some, uh, like, breakdowns of... <laughs> of uh or like summaries uh, analysis of the the deal uh, from deadline nobody gets everything they want in a deal but this is a good deal a fair deal and uh, both a big step in the right direction in an in insurance policy for the next contract a guild source told deadline uh to that end now that 86 percent of the national board approved the deal uh sag after leaders like Fran- president francesca and chief negotiator duncan crabtree ireland will start meeting with members to pitch the deal and answer questions ahead of the scheduled start of ratification voting on Tuesday. While the 128-page memorandum of agreement, which is an actu- the actual $1 billion estimated deal, remains unreleased and likely won't be available for weeks, criticism is already bubbling from a variety of quarters that the Guild Negotiating Committee didn't put hard enough with the CEO Gang of Four on AI protections and the success-based bonuses for streaming shows and movies. Over the past several months, the Guild uh, moved from the revenue-sharing plan of 2% of profits to 1%, and then a 59 cent subscriber levy as netflix ted Saronis dismissively termed it last month what sag after eventually ended up with was an annual 40 million dollar fund or 120 million over the three-year contract applicable to series miniseries and long-form pictures that have initial ex- exhibition on or after january 20 20- january 1st 2024 as tonight's summary states that jointly trustee fund for a successful payment on streaming projects viewed by at least 20% of the particular streamers, domestic subscribers in the first 90 days, seems less unprecedented as SAG-AFTRA called the deal last month, uh, last week, and more in line with what the WGA got in its deal in September. Tonight's summary offers no hard numbers on what these streaming bonuses will even be, even as it pledges a 75-25 distribution model of the allocated money, subject to legal review and subject to certain conditions the latter which will which are left unspecified that 75 will go directly to the cast of a hit streaming show or movie the remaining 25 percent will go back into the guild and studio co-run funds for them to allocate accordingly at some point the trustees to the fund shall adopt distribution guidelines that will govern the fund the payment of the fund money to performers aka we're still working out that part uh Certainly when it comes to the bitterly fought AI protection provision, the exceptions to consent section of the 18-page summary is going to raise more than just eyebrows with its broad caveats. According to the summary, studios and producers do not have to require performance consent if the AI is used for post-production alteration 
alterations, editing, arranging, rearranging, revising, or manipulating of photography and or soundtrack for the purposes of cosmetics, wardrobe, noise reduction, timing, or speed, continuity, pitch, or tone, clarity, addition of visual sound effects or filters, standards and practices, ratings, and adjustment in dialogue or narration or other similar purposes. Or for the matter, under any circumstances, while dubbing or use of a double is permitted under the codified basic agreement or television agreement. Yeah, so the deal went through, but, you know, it's not a perfect deal by any means, is what I'm getting at. Yeah, I feel that the most, uh, the most of the stuff I've read is just been around the AI stuff, and some people still are a little bit, like, that seems to be the part where people feel they lost out the most on, I guess, in the agreement. Uh, I believe for the most part, like obviously you still like they need to get a consent to use your likeness, or whatever, for a lot of stuff, and you also do need to be compensated for anything that they, you know, that you would normally get paid for that they use AI for instead. Um, those I mean, it's just like the like they've got like oh it has to be like seventy five percent real people, but you can still have like, oh like background kind of you stuff. You can still have like twenty five percent AI people. It's like just the, I mean, the worries of that taking away work of extras and you know all that sort of stuff. I feel like we probably already have that though. Like in my mind, that AI that kind of AI stuff is going to be mostly used for like massive crowds where it's just yeah. more feasible to like have AI rather than, you know, try and get a massive crowd, like, or in like a disaster movie or something like that, Godzilla, like you just want random, I'm sure it's easier to get a random AI figure to die than shoot somebody playing dead and then you have to cut it in and that kind of stuff, you know, when it's already in the in the programming and that kind of stuff, but I could be wrong. Um, and also it seems like a few of those like uh, things that they don't need to get permission for, like makes sense like oh some of the lighting's off we need ai to like kind of fix the lighting we don't really need to call up the actor no, to no. get they their approval to, and that kind of stuff i think they also have to like make it known from the outset of production if they're planning to use ai for anything yeah. so i guess like actors who don't want to act even in a scene against someone who's ai have the choice to not get involved mm. ahead of production and stuff so yeah i mean yeah. the other interesting thing there is like they don't need to get permission for dubbing. Like, so in their mind, are they going to like change people's, are they going to like try and lip sync people's better? Like actually change the way their mouths are moving to fit dub versions of stuff. Yeah. I mean, it's the AI. wouldn't surprise me, but the AI was such a big part of the, the strike. Um, so, and it's a hard one. I'd like, I definitely. Like, it's a hard one because we don't know exactly where AI is going to go. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, I, I definitely, like, I fall on the side of, like, AI is here, like, this technology is here to stay, whether you like it or not. So you either choose to find a way to use it that makes sense and, like, isn't taking away from, you know, people's jobs and, like, ruining products and whatever else. Mm-hmm. Um, but, like, yeah, it's it's sort of hard because like the the opposite of that is just complete like fuck this shit like I don't want like, anything to do with it like I feel like that's also just like the the complete either end of it is not helpful uh, but yeah yeah extremism on either end is not mm. yeah, not helpful but yeah uh, it seems like most people are pretty happy with most of the other stuff I think it's interesting like the threshold to get residuals is that 
20% of the user base watching a show in the first 90 days. Um, in America, at least. So I well, think... Netflix which makes sense for any like some... hit show. Like, yeah. yeah. So is the it's some random show that they dump on there going to get the residuals? Probably not. But well, does I, it deserve the residuals? I don't know. Yeah. Well, it's it makes sense... I guess, because it's like that whole thing of like Netflix doesn't give a fuck if you watch their show. Like if you put our show and it becomes popular two months after it releases, they, they need that. They want that initial like drop people binge watching it. That's like what they can, what they go off. So mm. if you're, if you're on a show that is doing that, then yeah, your residuals are good. If you're uh if you fall under the, suddenly your show becomes a, a hidden hit that people discover months later. They don't really give a fuck about it because as far as they're concerned, that does nothing for them. Um, and so they're like, as far as the this goes, yeah. it's doing nothing for you either. <laughs> like, I mean, it's unfortunate, but also how many shows actually fall under that category? They yeah, not many. Success, but, like, yeah. but I, I, this is definitely like, I can, like as soon as I read this, I was like, well, this is coming from like the streaming services, like the, the 90 day thing. Yeah. I mean, I mean, it's, it's, you know, they were never going to get a better compromise than probably that, but, no. um, but yeah, and I, mean, I mean, again, there's just so many intricacies and stuff that I wouldn't even pretend to understand. Yes. Don't work. No. And it's still got to be technically ratified by the, by the actual guild members yeah. this week. So but I everything could any, potentially I fall through. Any, I haven't read anything that says people are worried about it. So no, I think everybody's pretty going to have agreed to this deal and uh, you know then we don't have to worry about this for another three years mm. all right moving on <laughs> as i mentioned at the top of the show warner brothers angered everybody uh this week uh by making headlines and raising eyebrows when it revealed they would not be releasing their completed live action hybrid movie coyote versus acme the news came with the following statement with the relaunch of warner brother pictures in june uh, Warner Pictures animation in June. The studio has shifted its global strategy to focus on theatrical releases. With this new direction, we have made the difficult decision not to move forward with Coyote versus Acme. We have tremendous respect for the filmmakers, cast, and crew, and are grateful for the contributions to the film. Needless to say, folks involved with the film and everyday individuals just eager to see the flick took to social media to unleash outrage on Warner Brothers and its CEO, David Vaslav. Vaslav has become a lightning rod for anti-art controversy, and it really seems that like he's a studio movie studio exec who just does not like movies. Like W Movies, uh, Batgirl and Scoob 2, both of which were shelved, the plan was for WB to lock Cody vs. Acme away in a vault for a tax write-off. Um, which I just is breaking news, by the way. Well, it's now been reported that after the very heavy backlash against the decision, World of Brothers will allow the filmmakers to shop Coyote vs. Zachary to other distributors. A source said the decision was made this weekend by Warner Brothers film chiefs Mike DeLuca and Pam Andy, along with new animation head Bill Dashpi. Uh, this decision arose after intense outline, online outcry from both filmmakers and fans. People who worked on the film were obviously not happy. And while Warner's agreed to pay the film's top talent their streaming bonuses, everyone involved with the film uh, actually preferred to have the film actually released instead of sitting in a vault. Sure. Uh, so this is promising. I mean, rumor was they were going to get a $30 million tax break. So if any streaming service is willing to give them $31 million, I'm sure they'll more than <laughs> get that. It's a cheap movie. But... 
it's crazy. This movie is completed. So they test screened it and got almost universal praise for the movie. It's bonkers. Why why they wouldn't have, you know. It sounds like they wanted it just to be a streaming movie, but from the sound of it, they could have like released the cinemas and got their budget back easily. Fucking pay, wild. They have to pay for like, yeah. They're already paying for so many other things. <laughs> more. This is a movie that stars John Cena and like had a pretty solid cast. Um, yeah, that's a crazy story. But also, like my number, my, no, my number one thing from this is I don't know who the fuck agrees to make movies with Warner Brothers anymore. I mean, yeah. The other thing is apparently like a bunch of talent just cancelled all their meetings with Warner Brothers when this story came out. Yeah, fair. No, like why why would you in like based off the last six months or whatever it's been of them shelving movies for tax write-offs and whatever why would you want to get involved in any movie they make why are you so worried about money when you've got you had the highest grossing movie of the year which is still raking in money with barbie i don't what a billion dollars ain't good enough for you you need to get that you need that extra 30 million dollars from writing this movie off fucking crazy um but yeah just a Okay. Thankfully, another story where online <laughs> peer pressure and outrage won. That's right. Even just time factual good. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting, like to sit also like the backlash against James Gunn for not saying anything publicly in like the days after the story broke, because he's one of the co writers on the on the script. But you know, maybe he was working behind the scenes to try and get this. This. You know what's more important? Actually doing something or tweeting about it? Yeah. Actually doing something is probably more important. So Outrageous. And just, you know, we got a solid result. So, uh, yeah. I mean, it's interesting that they're only shopping it to streaming services. Like, if somebody actually wants to theatricalize it, it'd be really nice as well. But Because, uh, yeah, this is one an interesting film that, like, people have been having their eye on for a while so um i just yeah. like how that was like copyright striking like all the videos oh like, yeah the like striking the all the behind the scenes footage ever. it yeah. was very petty so behind the scenes of the music behind the scenes of them like doing stunts on the film like everything they were just striking it crazy all right moving on this week had netflix geeked week their big uh event where they reveal a bunch of new stuff coming to netflix uh showing a bunch of behind-the-scenes footage and a lot of clips and some new trailers and stuff. So this is where we're going to do this week's top three. Definitely in the top three. This week's top three is top three things from Netflix Skip Week 2023. Dylan, what's the number three? My number three is the release date for Arcane Season 2. <laughs> there wasn't much to it. It was a very, it was a very short it teaser. It was a 30-second teaser. 30-second, but it's nice to actually know that it's coming next year, November, and it was just a reminder of how good that show is. So, it's my number that three. doesn't speak very highly for the content here. Uh, my number three is a new upcoming series called The Brother's Son, starring Michelle Yeoh, who plays the mother of two sons, one who was raised by a legendary uh, uh, assassin or crime lord, and the other raised by her in a loving family. <laughs> who, after the father dies, the other son comes to live with her to try and protect them from uh, any other potential people trying to strike against their family. 
Uh, looks like it'll be a fun action comedy. Some of the action scenes look quite good. Uh, and just, just, you know, more Michelle Yao is always good. So, yeah. Uh, and more Asian representation. So, yeah. Check out the uh, it's a teaser trailer for The Brother's Son. Uh, watch that on the Netflix YouTube channel. Dylan, what's your number two? Um, number two was the Netflix original film Damsel. The first trailer for that, starring Millie Bobby Brown. Um, I think it looks cool. I like the the premise. Uh, this princess or whatever, like you know, hey, go marry the prince. Typical fairy tale shit. But then it turns out they want to sacrifice her to some fucking monster or some shit to like keep everyone, um, keep everyone on the safe. I don't know, whatever. Like, it's just it's twisting the, the typical. Yeah, twisting the, uh, like your, your typical fairy tale um, story on its head, um, and it looked like relatively dark and everything, which I like. The director did do like twenty eight weeks later, uh, yeah, twenty eight weeks later, um, a couple of like dark thriller horror movie sort of stuff. Um, so I'm hoping it has keeps that sort of vibe and stuff. And yeah, I quite enjoyed the trailer. So I mean, number two. All right, I thought yeah, that was a pretty good trailer. Um, there. Millie Bobby Brown looks like she's been doing some bicep curls and stuff, like holding that sort there. Uh, my number two, Dead Boy Detectives. So this is kind of uh, it's from it a, a Sandman spinoff series by Neil Gaiman, um, about two detectives solving mysteries. The only thing is they're both dead; they're both ghosts. Um, so you know they're trying to solve these mysteries for the living. Uh, while also trying not to be found by death and forced to go to the next plane of existence. Um, yeah, looks really good. I mean, it definitely has that YA uh, supernatural vibe sense. So, uh, but yeah, it looks like it has a bunch of... It, it'll be fun. A good time. Apparently it was meant to originally be a HBO Max series, but uh, it's on Netflix. So yeah, check it out. Dead Boy Detectives coming 2024. Dylan, what's your number one? My number one was the trailer for the upcoming series, Yu Yu Hakushiro, which is based on the manga, which was also had an anime series. I wouldn't say like I was, a, I've watched the anime, like I remember watching it, random episodes and stuff like that. Um, but I've never, like I wouldn't say like I'm like, I don't know enough to tell you fucking anything other than I know, I remember the opening theme song in English. Uh, I don't know what the fucking Japanese one was. But um, of stuff like that. But I really like this trailer. I thought this looked like fucking like some of the action sequences and stunt work and stuff like that. They have some like sick ass fights happening in between it. Um, it doesn't look as weird as the anime, but maybe they're just holding some of the, the stuff back, like some of the demons and stuff or whatever. Ghosts. No. And what's the fucking word? The actual word, the Japanese word for like. Um... Fuck. I heard it so much in that stupid Ghostwire Tokyo game too. They said it all the time. Whatever. Anyway. Um, yeah. It looks. It looks. A lot of fun. Um, I, I I like the 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 word, but it's basically just this dude who dies, he gets hit like I don't know by a taxi or whatever. I think that's classic yeah, story. It. Saves a girl while hitting. Yeah, yeah it's like that's the way the trailer starts, and then like they're like, "Hey, put you back to life," but you got to like you know you're now like a spirit ghost detective. killer, yeah, detective thing. So it's, it's basically the prologue of Ghostwire Tokyo. Mm. What is the word? Fuck. Yokai. That's it. Yokai. That's what I was trying to think. Yeah, so he's like a, you know, you got to fight the yokai. Okay. Uh, my number one is upcoming DreamWorks animated film, Orion in the Dark. It's written by Charlie Kaufman. <laughs> the mind behind such films as 
Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind, Sinoki, New York, and I'm thinking of ending things. He's adapting a children's book. Animated on DreamWorks. Um, so I'm going to read the premise. Orion seems a lot like your average elementary school kid, shy, unassuming, harboring a secret crush, but underneath his seemingly normal exterior, Orion is a very anxious boy, completely consumed by irrational fears of bees, dogs, the ocean, cell phone waves, murderous gutter, clowns, and even falling off a cliff. But of all his fears, the thing he's afraid of most is what he confronts on a nightly basis, the dark. He needs a light every time he's sleeping. So when the literal embodiment of his worst fear pays him a visit, the dark whisks Orion away on a roller coaster ride around the world to prove there's nothing to be afraid of in the night. As the unlikely pair grow closer, Orion must decide if he can accept the unknown and stop letting fear control his life and finally embrace the joy of living without any concerns. So yeah, this looks really good. Uh, obviously, you know, Charlie Kaufman's involvement makes it interesting because, you know, it probably isn't going to go the way you expect it to. Uh, and I think it's, you know, pretty well animated. Uh, yeah, the cast is very good. It's Jacob Tremblay and Paul Walter Hauser plays Dark. Uh, yeah. This is the thing that interests me the most out of this these uh, this week of content. <laughs> I mean, I was complaining last episode about there not being enough scary things for kids, so, yeah. I mean, I don't think it's scary. I think it's, you know, just about facing your fears and that kind of stuff. It's pretty fucking scary. <laughs> <laughs> Having to face things. Uh, a few other things I want to shout out. No, uh, fuck free. Fuck off. This is just general news now. Right, okay. We're transitioning. You got you to transition back that. to you news. Transition, okay. Uh, so yeah, some of other things like Netflix went hard on the games. Like there mm. is so much stuff coming to Netflix mobile, like Hades, Death Door, Katana Zero. Zero. Katana Zero is coming to Netflix before it comes to PlayStation. It's crazy. <laughs> it's um, but the the a bunch of tie-ins with a bunch of their 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 games. But my favorites, Chicken Run, Extraction, <laughs> a top-down stealth game is coming in 2024 or later this year, maybe. Coming soon from Ardman Studios. They've got like a games division within the actual studio. Um, they announced a Terminator anime series. Yeah, nothing to uh, the trailer. Yep. Nothing but a teaser trailer, but you know, that's interesting. Uh Interesting. Um, what was the other? So they announced uh, what was it called? Jurassic World Chaos Theory, which is a new series, which is a direct sequel to the Camp Cretaceous series. Has a couple of the same characters, but set up the events of Fallen Kingdom. So it's like that time period where dinosaurs have started to infiltrate the human world. You know, not a single locust in that trailer. So, you know, it's promising. Not watching that... it. Like, and that's what I'm there for, man. I'm, I'm here for the locusts, not the dinosaurs. <laughs> uh, what else was interesting? Oh, the there was the first trailer for Avatar The Last Airbender. Live action. A lot of people very excited. Thought it was fantastic. I'm a bit... I'm still on the fence about this. You know? I think, you know, it, it was very heavy on the VO. Uh, didn't get, actually get much of the characters and that kind of stuff. There's some cool visuals and that kind of thing, but uh, um, yeah, I need to actually see people interact and that kind of stuff before I get super excited. Um, and a lot of the animals just look kind of weird. Like I don't know if they're they're still rendering the the animal effects, but they kind of look they're 
kind of stuck in like an uncanny valley between puppetry and CGI. It looks like I don't know which they're going for, uh, but it's kind of stuck in the middle. So that that's my opinion on that. Uh, I feel like there's some other important announcements. Uh, they talked a little bit about Tomb Raider and had some concept art. I thought yeah, they had cool. a really cool featurette with uh, Powerhouse Studios who do all the animation, well, well, a lot of the animation stuff on Netflix, like all the the uh, gaming series, like all the Castlevania and Devil May Cry and hmm. Blood Zero and He Man and all that. So that's definitely worth checking out. Uh, but yeah, concept art discussing the Tomb Raider series, how they're trying to incorporate a bunch of stuff from the past and that kind of stuff into that. Uh, the Witcher is getting another animated movie uh, called uh, The Witcher Sirens of the Deep. This one voiced by Dog Cockle hmm. from the video games. Mm, from the video games. <laughs> you know? Even though it's set during season one of the show. Henry Cavill just did not want to come. <laughs> Henry Cavill died. <laughs> like, I honestly feel like he's dead. You know? right. Let me ask you a question. Have you watched The Witcher season three? I have not. Me neither. <laughs> it says a lot, right? Mm. Uh, <laughs> yeah. You would know. I don't know if you know, Ash. We use this thing called Tracked. Yeah. The same well, I didn't look it up. Watch it. Yeah. Um, they also had a trailer for uh, The Exploding Kittens show. Yeah, that looked good. That looks good. Tom yeah. Ellis playing God. God, who's stuck in the body of a cat. Yep. Yes. I'm down. Down for that. Yeah, no idea how it ties into the video, the board game, but don't care. It looked fun. No. Uh, and then, of course, the little big sending off point was there as a new trailer for Rebel Moon Part 1 for Child of Fire, uh, which, of course, is releasing on December 22nd. So I like that. Uh, yeah. Good trailer. They had, like, a full showcase, like, 20 minutes, like, Q&A with uh, Zack Snyder. I finally understand what the general plot is, like. So that, I give it points for that. In this trailer? like Yeah, in this trailer, I finally understand. The... It's like these people come down. They basically look like Nazis. She's like escaped from another war. She was in hiding on a nice planet. I can see how this was really a Star Wars thing. And then she sets off to, to gather the, the mm. six legendary fighters from other planets. <laughs> it was basically what it looks like. And they're going to come back and fight the bad guys. I don't know. Something like that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Is the so. I watched most of the showcases. Here's my opinion. Just do one show. Make it more like a set of play. You don't need to have all the banter in between things explaining stuff. You can just put that in an article. I don't know. I, I, don't, I don't want to take jobs away or whatever, but it was a little bit cringe, some of the, the, the banter that was going on. I assume, based on past years and stuff, they just, like, it must do well enough. Like, they must get enough. I guess. Yeah, months of views and that kind of stuff. Also, I don't think clips are as cool, important as they're trying to push. <laughs> like clips from shows? Just a, yeah, just a, here's a clip, exclusive yeah. clip from the show. No, it's very, I don't um, care. I mean, it's, it's just, that's a, t- I don't know, think it's the, good The Today show, the, and then the guest comes on and they're like, oh, cool, tell us about your new movie. Oh, cool, I've brought a clip. Like, at least it were Like, that's what I'm used to. But when they're like... You can here's a cl- do here's context. A clip. Yeah. Here's a clip. You, can get, you could set up it. And then they interview this, they them afterwards. Go, and then yeah. they come back and they're like, oh, cool. So in the scene, they're like, oh, so I'm playing this character. And as you can see in the clip, I'm doing this. Like, it's... Yeah. But yeah. just random clips? Anyway, whatever. No. 
All right. But yeah, that's everything from next week's Gib to Week. Uh, let's move into giving some thumbs to trailers. Of course, you can find all the trailers about to talk about this week in the show notes below. Kicking things off with Mean Girls, directed by Arturo Perez Jr. and Samantha Jane, starring Angori Rice, Aluli Cavallo, Renee Rapp, Jack Will Spivy, Aventika Vandenupa, Bibi Woods, Christopher Brini, Jenna Fisher, Busy Phillips, John Hamm, Tina Fey, and Tim Meadows. New student Katie Herons. Katie Heron gets welcomed into the top of the social food chain by an elite group of popular girls called the Plastics, ruled by the conniving Queen Bee, Regina George. However, when Katie makes the major misstep of falling for Regina's ex-boyfriend, she soon finds herself caught in their crosshairs. Dylan, what did you think of this trailer for Mean Girls? Um, double thumbs down. I think it's a terrible trailer because I had so many fucking p- tweets and stuff popping up. Just people saying, I don't understand what the point of this is and all that sort of stuff. And like, I'd read about this movie months ago or whatever when they, like at some point when they were filming or I don't know, at some point I, like I knew this was based on the Broadway play, right? So I'm watching the trailer. Musical. Uh, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm looking Keep for with. the musical. I'm looking for the musical. I'm looking for the songs of which this trailer does absolutely no job at explaining that's what No, it uses is. a prominent licensed song. Yeah. <laughs> So for that reason, that reason only, double thumbs down. Will I want to watch it? Yes. I'm I'm keen to watch it, and I hope it's good, but for this trailer, double thumbs down. Yeah, I'm also going to go double thumbs down. I don't know what they were trying to do with this trailer. Well, I do know what they were trying to do for this trailer. They are just trying to make it look like a remake of Mingo and just completely not mention the fact that it's based on the, it's based on musical. Now I'm questioning, is there going to be any musical moments in this movie? Is it actually a musical or is it just a reboot? I don't know. Based on this trailer, it, you know, it seems like there's going to be musical moments. It seems like they're going to do some song and dance and that kind of stuff. But um, yeah, this is a weird, like, especially when musicals. On the, on the, the, if you look up on the website, they do list as a comedy musical. Yeah. Musicals are kind of back in vogue. Mm. Why wouldn't you like bill it as a musical? I don't understand. Like, I guess they're going for the audience that loves Mean Girls and would want a remake, which I think is a very, very tiny group of people. But if you're like, hey, it's based on the musical, check it out. Yeah, it's just very, this is a very weird marketing move. Rather. I think the trailer itself, fine, you know? It, it, I've never seen Mean Girls, but I've seen enough online stuff. Whoa, 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 We've discussed whoa, this before. Whoa, whoa, We've talked whoa, about this before. Whoa, 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 Slow the fuck down. <laughs> I cannot fucking remember. Hold on. You said I'm not seeing Mean Girls? Yeah. <laughs> I've seen I've seen Twitter. We wear pink on Tuesday. <laughs> I will rectify that before this movie comes out, but you know. And that movie comes out the eleventh of January, twenty twenty four. It's a Christmas movie. Let's add it to the fucking podcast. Do you want to? Maybe we should. I I mean it's not a full Christmas movie, but it's we, we can you can argue it. <laughs> right, add, a, add it to the list <laughs> stick it on the schedule you know they dress up they have a Christmas scene that's true I know 
John Hamm. Yeah, uh, that was funny. John Hamm, you should have been lifted from a yeah, cock. Yeah. yeah, fucking <laughs> Jesus Christ. All right, next trailer. Bookie, created by Chuck Lorre, uh, starring Sebastian Maniscalco, Omar Dorsey, Vanessa Felito, Jorge Garcia, Andrea Anders, and Maxim Swinton. A veteran bookie struggles to survive the impending legalization of sports gambling, increasingly unstable clients, family, co-workers, and a lifestyle that bounces him around every corner of Los Angeles, high and low. Dylan, what did you think of the trailer for Bookie? I got one up, one down. Looked uh, mildly intriguing. I was tonally a bit confused. Uh, yeah, I don't know. It's also just like a very American thing, I feel. Like this, the, the whole idea of the show mm. and everything like that. Just very, like something I can't relate to too much, like you know uh so yeah i'll go one up one down yeah i'll go one up one down as well it seems like it'll be it'll be funny when you actually see it in context and that kind of stuff but like like you said it's like hard to get the context when you know sports gambling is so prevalent here and it's just a touch of a button fucking 10 adverts on it for you know sports bet every sports gambling you you could just go to the local tab and you do it you know not this underground like making bets on the bottom like mm. betting on the weirdest sports related stuff um but yeah i did enjoy charlie sheen saying i've got some sports memorabilia i got babe ruth's autis- autopsy report. weird uh so this premieres on binge on the 30th of november next trailer is for the garfield movie directed by mark dindle starring chris pratt samuel jackson hannah winningham ving rames nick Nicholas Holt, Cecily Strong, Harvey, Harvey Gillian, Brett Goldstein, and Bowen Yang. Garfield, the world-famous, Monday-hating, lasagna-loving indoor cat, is about to have a wild outdoor adventure after an unexpected reunion with his long-lost father, scruffy street cat Vic. Garfield and his canine friend Odie are forced from their perfectly pampered life into joining Vic in a hilarious high-stakes heist. Till what did you think of the trailer for the Garfield movie? Fuck it, double thumbs up. Maybe, whoa, <laughs> maybe was wrong about Chris Pratt. Maybe he is the voice acting superstar we didn't know he was. You know, Mario Garfield. Who can he do next? Link. Let's fucking do it. I don't know. Looked pretty funny to me. I like Garfield. I even like those. I really like those the other movies growing up. Um, they came out the Bill Murray like, ones. Yeah, they came out when I was in like grade six. So I feel like I was like or around then. I think so. I enjoyed those, you know. I fucking enjoyed this trailer, the bit setting up the cute cat and just demolishes food. Like, that was a good bit. Cut to him telling the story, and that's how I adopted um, um, John. Like John, yeah. It was a good bit. Yeah, fuck it. Uh, it's one up, one down for me. I think it was fine. You hate cats. I hate cats. Uh, yeah, the animation is kind of odd. Like, they're really? going like... I don't know. Yeah, they're... I think it's the, no, it's like the character design, like super kind of realistic fur and that kind of stuff or like, like that, but then like super cartoony eyes. I don't know. It just, you know, kind of rubbed me the wrong way. You know, it was fun watching young Garfield, like all that. And then Chris Pratt starts talking like, uh, and then Samuel L. Jackson plays his father. And I think, oh, that's crazy. <laughs> 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 Why are these two voices together? Uh, but yeah, I mean, it looks solid, you know? Do I think Chris Pratt's the best thing to come to voice acting? I don't think so, but you know. He kind of works for Garfield. I think, yeah, I think he's a good fit for Garfield. You know? 
Do I think he's good fit for Mario? No. No. But Garfield, this one makes sense. This one of all the voice casting like, roles. Yeah. Yes. And so. I don't know. They, I like how they tweeted out a picture of him beforehand, before the trailer dropped. That was good. Here's your first look at Chris Pratt as Garfield, they said. That was a picture <laughs> of Garfield. <laughs> <laughs> the dumbest tweet I've seen. <laughs> all right. Uh, the Garfield movie is releasing in cinemas May 30th, 2024. Getting in early. Next trailer is for The Artful Dodger. Uh, created by James McNamara, David Ma, and David Taylor, starring Thomas Barodi Sangster, David Thulis, Maya Mitchell, Damon Harriman, uh, Tim Minchin, Miranda Tapsell, Susie Porter, Damien Garvey, Kim Gingell, Vivian Alwasoga, and Albert Latala La Kepa. Set in 1850s Australia in the lively colony of Port Victory, Jack Dawkins, aka the Eiffel Dodger, is now a surgeon who still has a pension for crime. When Dodger's past returns to haunt him with the return of Fagin, he's lured back into the world of crime, from heist to life and death surgeries to the harsh realities of the criminal world. Mingling with the middle-grounded gentry, this is a tale of reinvention, betrayal, redemption, and love with a twist. Dylan, what did you think of this new Australian series, The Artful Dodger? Um, yeah, I'll go one up, one down. Looks like a bit of fun, but I don't feel like it had enough to really grab me and go, fuck yeah, I can't wait to watch this. The, the only thing from the trailer that I was like, that's pretty great, is um, David Fearless, Fearless, however you say his name. Um, yep. he, he looks like he's having a great time. So came for that. But uh, yeah, otherwise I'll just go one up, one down. I, I don't know. Maybe also it's just Thomas Brody Sangster or whatever. Like not enough screen presence for me or something like that. I don't know. At least not in the trailer. Uh, I'm going to go two thumbs up. I enjoyed the trailer. I can understand. I feel like... I learned more about the premise of this show from that description rather than the actual trailer. Um, but, you know, I think they do a good job of setting up the vibe of, of the show and that kind of stuff. I think it's really good incorporation of Wolf Mother's Joker and the Thief, um, which I haven't heard in forever. Uh, yeah, you just set off a fun vibe for the, the show and that kind of stuff. And obviously, early 1850s Australia, you know. Looks like it'll be a good time. So, yeah, this is coming to Disney Plus on... November 29th. Last trailer for this week. Ghostbusters Frozen Empire. Directed by Gil Keenan. Starring Paul Rudd, Carrie Coon, Finn Harwood. Oh, Finn Wolfhard. Uh, McKenna Grace, Kamal Ninjani, Patton Oswalt, Celeste O'Connor, Logan Kim, Dan Aykroyd, Ernie Hudson, and Annie Pott. The Ghostbusters Frozen Empire. This, in Fro- Ghostbusters Frozen Empire, the Spengel family returns to where it all started, the iconic New York City firehouse. Team up with the original Ghostbusters who have developed a top-secret research lab to take busting ghosts to the next level. But when the discovery of an ancient artifact unleashes an evil force, Ghostbusters new and old must join forces to protect their home and save the world from a second ice age. Dylan, you weren't a fan of uh, the old Ghostbusters infiltrating Ghostbusters afterlife. What are your thoughts on this new Frozen Empire? I feel like at least going in, I know it involves everyone. So I can have the, the, it's just my major problem with the first film was it just felt like they're, they interrupted that finale, you know, and it just took it away. Not against them and be, being involved with the continuation of the franchise, but just, uh, and this, yeah, I, I really like this. I'm giving this double thumbs up. I, I think this looks, whoa, I think this looks really good based on this, this teaser. I like how, you know, we've got all the important players back here, including podcasts. So, um, and then we've got, um, 
We got the combination of the new and old. We've got a cool new idea. It's not like a, a returning or a twist on uh, a ghost or whatever from one of the other ones. It's the it's something new, so that's exciting. And um, yeah, I know it looks pretty. Like I like the also the director. It's not um, Jason Reitman doing this one. Um, it's uh, mm. Gil Kennan, Keenan, whatever however you say his name. Um, and you know he directed Monster House, so this will hopefully scare kids. <laughs> Hopefully. That's the dream. Uh, yeah, this is two thumbs up from me. I think it it's obviously a teaser. Like, um, very interesting setup. I don't think the, the the ice doesn't look fantastic, I would say, is one criticism. But, uh, it's not ice, it's ghost ice. I guess. So does that does ghost ice look different than it normal does. ice? Yes, because it's dead ice. Okay. Okay. Uh, yeah, it looks good. Interesting setup. Uh, fun to see Kumail Nanjani is going to be part of it. Fun to see Pat Oswalt's going to be part of it. Cool to see the red jumpsuits. Bit different, distinguishing them, I guess, from the old school and that kind of stuff. Um, yeah, just the the score coming in and that kind of stuff. Really fun. So yeah, interesting to see the reaction as well, like from people who just don't like Ghostbusters, I guess, and how vocal they are after this. Like, how is Ghostbusters even a franchise? have one good movie and that kind of stuff it's like you know i mean I a like bunch Ghost- of like spin-offs and that kind of stuff it's like yeah. uh, they've specifically said like the the real ghostbusters animated show was like a key touchstone for this and that kind of stuff so yeah i was gonna say i like i don't know if you don't like ghostbusters don't like ghostbusters the the films if you take like the animated show is great and like that's some really successful comics and stuff like that there's a lot to the the property um, but yeah, like Ghostbusters, if you just left it as a film, it's like Ghostbusters 1 is a fucking fantastic film and Ghostbusters 2 is like, eh. So yeah. from that point, I get it. But also, if you don't like Ghostbusters, if, you don't, if you're not open to liking these films, just shut the fuck up. <laughs> Good sentiments. Yeah. Uh, so Ghostbusters Frozen Empire releases the cinemas March 28th, 2024. Dylan, this week, what do you want to watch? How do I forget this segment? I fucking I feel like <laughs> I remembered two weeks and then yeah you've been pretty oh good. um I've been pretty good but now you got me uh Hunger Games Ballad of uh, Songbirds and Snakes is uh what I'm looking forward to watching in the cinema screen this week uh, I rewatched the first Hunger Games last week I'm probably gonna watch Catching Fire tonight I think so um my current plan would be for that yeah. so um get ready did you have you watched Hunger Games movies or? yes I've watched all four I see I never watched the last two. Oh, interesting. I read all I mean, the books. I mean, the last two were not fantastic, yeah. just because you know they did the whole completely split. Well, that and the the you know no. the structure of the story is they're not in the Hunger Games. Yeah, anymore, but, I, but I like the book. I didn't mind that there was no game in the book and stuff. But it's, yeah, it's I like doing this thing where I read all the books and then never watch all the movies. Um, I did that for Twilight <laughs> as well. I weirdly, I read all those Twilight books and actually didn't mind them, and then. Never watched the last two movies either, so did the same for Hunger Games. Um, so yeah. now you're like, oh, I'll definitely watch the movies now, <laughs> even though this is a prequel. I'll have nothing to do with. Yeah, but maybe it'll just like maybe like you know like I'm. It's got me back into spirit. Um, TV wise, um, well, look, I would say Scott Pilgrim, but spoilers, I've watched it all, so I look forward to a, a review of that. Um, on Explosion Network later, later this week, I can say I've watched it. I don't think that's fine, but. Um, so I won't pick that. Instead, I will say Monarch, Legacy of Monsters. Starts on Apple TV this week. That's a good pick. 
Um, yeah, I would also say my pick would be for the films, uh, The Hunger Games, which has been getting very positive reviews, surprisingly yeah, positive. People reviews. are saying it's like the best one, which is crazy for a prequel, or like at least tied for catching. Yeah. Maybe, so. uh, but also, shout out Saltburn, starting to release in cinemas. So if you can see Saltburn, go see Saltburn. Can you see Saltburn? Yeah, well, they still put that. Well, I haven't looked actually. Remember, I said they said it was on the website as coming soon. Um, let's have a look. That doesn't mean anything. Keep going. I'm looking. Uh, TV fronts. I yeah, I'm also looking at Monarch. I'm also looking forward to Scott Pilgrim takes off. Uh, but I also want to watch Braun, the Impossible Formula One story, which is a new documentary series about the Braun uh, F1 team, uh, hosted by or yeah, hosted by Keanu Reeves. Mm. Um, so yeah, that looks like it'll be a good time. So I'm excited to check that out. The website says coming uh, November 16th, but they don't have session time. So mm, that's disappointing. Mm. So for now, I have session time for Hunger Games. So <laughs> like I, I will plan my week around that. Around that. All right. All right. Let's know what you want to watch this week by going to explosion.com slash Twitter or jump to Discord at explosion.com slash Discord. If you want to help us out here at what you want to watch, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or on Podchaser. Leave us five stars. Anyone can leave five stars or just tell people about the show. And if you've enjoyed this episode, Thor's worth a dollar, head on over to our Kofi page at explosion.com slash supports. All right. Thank you very much for listening. Until next time, keep watching stuff, I guess.